Folks, welcome to the inaugural first pilot episode of High Cheese. I am John Shaken, host and author of the Shake and Bake Scribble on Substack. I go by Shake and Bake on all my social media, so I figured I'd go by Shake and Bake here. I'm going to just tweet out this link. So basically, my plan for today is just to go through a little bit of last night's ball games and also some possible trades because we got the trade deadline coming up August 2nd, less than a month away. And with the standings sort of flushing themselves out here, we're getting an idea of which teams are going to be buyers and which teams are going to be sellers. And uh, I want to talk about, first of all, a few of those teams that uh, including the, the Mets. So the Mets last night, of course, Max Scherzer came back. He threw six innings, 11 strikeouts, no walks, two hits. Uh, he passed John Smoltz on the all-time K's list last night, uh, something that he would have achieved much earlier in the season had he not been on the IL. But now that he's back, he's back in stride. It was his 108th career game with at least 10 K's. And what I find so fascinating about him is just how consistently dominant he's been for his entire career. And, um, you know, the Mets have, you know, the honor of having him on their roster right now. And, you know, they were able to, you know, they lost the game last night, unfortunately, only one to nothing. So they weren't able to give Max Scherzer any run support, but they, uh, and uh, unfortunately, where Seth Lugo gave up the sack fly walk off to Mike Moustakis in the bottom of the ninth. Now, this gets me to what I really wanted to talk about with the Mets, which was their trade possibilities. And to me, I think that what they need is, first of all, their largest need is an eighth inning setup guy to get them from their starters to their dominant closer, Edwin Diaz, sound the trumpets. Um, you know, they need somebody to fill that gap and they need, you know, if, especially if they want to compete and win championships, they need someone who can cover for their starters asses come, you know, come the seventh, eighth inning. Now, they also on the offensive side have the problem of a really strong lineup, one, two, five, one through six, really. And then it sort of falls off seven, eight, nine. So, you know, they've been relying on a, a good season from Luis Guillorme. Solid production from Mark Canna. And J.D. Davis has been their DH. And I think that that DH spot is something that they could really serve to improve. Um, you know, J.D. Davis, you know, just simply is you know, league average at best and, you know, honestly is a little below that and uh, they need to upgrade their positions. And I think a perfect trade candidate for the Mets is the Chicago Cubs, actually. Uh, I think that they have two players on there, Wilson Contreras and David Robertson, who would be perfect candidates for the Mets to add big league production now. And the thing is, is, you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, why would you trade for Wilson Contreras? He's a catcher. You don't want to uh, integrate 
a catcher into their starting rotation. It's just too much to ask for a player to learn a whole starting staff, a catcher to learn a whole starting staff mid-season. It's just, you know, the rapport won't be there. Um, it will cause, you know, maybe some more problems, you know, with pitchers, rhythms and everything, trying to get the right signs down. So I get the, the, the notion that you don't want to necessarily trade for an everyday catcher. However, I think that the Mets aren't trading for that. The Mets are trading for a DH and, you know, Wilson Contreras, he's hitting, you know, 280 with, you know, solid number. He's, you know, he has 13 home runs, 35 RBIs, 46 runs scored. You know, he's got an OBP of 392, slugging 500. You know, this is somebody who contributes from the offensive side of the ball. And I think that, you know, the Mets could really serve to have some help in that position. You know, I guess, you know, now with the way that the lockout and the CBA happened, teams didn't necessarily have a ton of time to prepare. The National League teams, I mean, didn't have a ton of time to prepare for uh, having the universal DH. So you end up with situations where you're relying on a J.D. Davis to cover for the days where uh, you're playing your everyday players like Pete Alonso at their positions like first base. Now, Pete Alonso has also filled in at DH, um, but that has meant that they've had to rely on Dom Smith to cover first base when Pete Alonso is DHing. And that is not tenable either because Dom Smith is another, you know, below league average player who is better served to be a stopgap role player than he is to be in the lineup platooning every day or every other day like he has been for the last couple of weeks. I think Wilson Contreras could really help with uh, with the Mets in that regard. Um, you know, I've heard Trey Mancini thrown around a lot as another option uh, for the Mets to pick up. And, you know, he can play first base. He can play a little bit of corner outfield. But, you know, Trey Mancini really is a natural DH. Uh, and so I'm just wondering, maybe you don't get as much uh, – positional flexibility with Trey Mancini on your roster as you do, you know, putting Wilson Contreras on there. Uh, Wilson Contreras can play catcher. He can DH, you know, you can maybe slot him in at first base, even a couple games um, and, you know, see what happens. And I think that, you know, there's a couple of prospects that I've identified that could be a really good get for the Mets uh, to get, you know, send to the Cubs way and really make this trade happen. Um, you know, the glaring number one option on that is their number one overall prospect, the 20 year old catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Now he's just been rocketed up the minors this year. He's already made it to AAA at 20 years old. You know, he slashed a line of 277, 368, 553 in AA this year through 67 games. And, uh, you know, that's a good sample size, 296 plate appearances. You like to see that from a young catcher, that ability to hit. And, um, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to really get at is the Mets have this young prospect, Francisco Alvarez. They also have Khalil Lee, an outfielder prospect. They have Calvin Ziegler and, uh, you know, a couple other pitching prospects that they have in their system. You know, they have 
a middle of the pack farm system, 14th overall. And I just don't know if Steve Cohen isn't the type of owner to go out there and get any type of star he can possibly get for the chance to win now. And I don't think the Mets are in a win later stash prospects mode right now. They are very much in a, this year is a championship season. Uh, you know, the next couple years are championship seasons and they want to maximize those years. So how do you do that? Well, sometimes you do that by selling the farm and bringing in stars. And I think that's what the Mets have the ability to do here, especially with this particular trade. And I think, you know, they have the ability to really, um, not only the ability, but the want to, to go out and get these players. And, um, you know, maybe Steve Cohen is just an aggressive enough owner, which not necessarily a great thing but then again if you're owning a baseball team don't you want to win the world series and you you know are cultivating all these prospects yes for the future but also for the opportunity to move them to make championship moves and you know Wilson Contreras a has championship experience he was on that 2016 Cubs team um and b has the bona fides the bona fides to really fit into this Mets team and contribute. Um, Now, if I'm greedy and I am, I also see David Robertson on this Cubs roster and I say, well, I want him on the Mets too, because he would fit in that eighth inning stop gap that I was talking about earlier, that you want someone to bridge the gap from the Adam Adovinos and the Seth Lugos of the world. You know, if the starters don't go the full seven, you want someone to bridge that gap from those middle innings to the late innings and David Robertson has made a career out of doing that. You know, he's been a closer for some points in his career, but most of the time he's been that eighth inning guy. It's a role that he's very comfortable in. It's a role that he thrives in. And it's one that I could see him really uh, fitting in well with the Mets. So if I'm Steve Cohen, if I'm the Mets front office, I am keying in on this Cubs roster. The Cubs are third in the NL Central, well below 500. They're not going anywhere this year. They, you know, It's well known that they're trying to move these guys for prospects. I think the Mets possibly have the best shot at getting these guys. And uh, you know, if I'm the Mets, I'd do it because I think it gives them a real chance to win now. And, you know, sort of going off that talking about the other win now teams that are out there you know just across town you have the Yankees who are you know in first place in the AL East first place overall in the MLB with in terms of their overall record they are as of today uh what are they 58 and uh 23 which is just ridiculous uh to be you know that far out ahead of the pack this early in the season um you know, it's interesting. I've heard some people talking about uh, whether the Yankees have done this intentionally. So they've done sort of this sprint mentality instead of the season as a marathon. So you get out to as large of a lead as you can and you uh, keep going until 
you know, you hit the middle of the season and then you can kind of coast, you know, post all-star break. And, you know, that's clearly been the Yankees' strategy this year. And we'll see whether or not they really keep their foot on the gas post all-star break or maybe, you know, they fall back a little bit down to earth come August and September, uh, you know, just sort of saving their horses for the postseason. Um, they have had ridiculously good health with their starting pitching. Um, you know, their starters have thrown their, you know, starting five rotations. So that's Garrett Cole, uh, Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Tyon, and um, uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Oh, duh, Luis Severino. Um, you know, those five have pitched, you know, 90% of the games this year. And that's, you know, that's not something that A, most teams get, but also B, the Yankees get. You know, in previous years, they've really had to rely on the guys from AAA, the guys, the long guys in the bullpen to Adam Warren is a guy that comes up as a great example who his role was to you know, there would be pitchers on the injured list. He would need to come in and get a start of four to five innings and pass it off to his bullpen mates. Um, the Yankees haven't had to rely on that type of starter this year. They've been able to rely on their horses. But at the same time, they're greedy. And I think they would definitely want to go after the top tier starting pitchers that are on the market. So you've got you know, Luis Castillo in Cincinnati, and you've got Zach Grinke in Kansas City, Madison Bumgarner in Arizona, you know, uh, Chad Cool in Colorado, for example. Um, Frankie Montas is probably the best starter that's available on the market, or him or Luis Castillo. And I think the Yankees, more than, you know, more than anything, want to add to their depth and really, you know, make sure that they have their asses covered for come postseason. Um, so I think that they would want not only Frankie Montas from the A's, but also center fielder Ramon Lariano, because let's be honest, Aaron Judge has been phenomenal covering for center field this year. Um, Aaron Hicks is just past his prime and is not able to play every day, let alone play in everyday center field. Um, you know, it's been, you know, time waits for no man. You know, father time comes for all, and father time has come for Aaron Hicks, unfortunately. Um, that plus just the negative, you know, production they've gotten out of Joey Gallo since trading for him last year, which I think most people at the time called it an overpay trade, and, you know, that definitely is what it was and still is now he could absolutely you know get it going it just hasn't been there this year um so between Aaron Hicks and and Joey Gallo they need just somebody in that fourth outfield spot to really fill in and I think Ramon Lariano could be at the very least a defensive uh stopgap for them that is an upgrade over Aaron Hicks and so I think that you know they've got a couple they've got a uh couple of shortstop prospects. They've got Oswald Peraza, they've got Trey Sweeney, they've got uh, Anthony Volpe. And I think that the Yankees, while they recognize that, you know, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Josh Donaldson are not their, you know, 
left side of the infield forever. Um, I think they have enough confidence in, you know, two out of those three guys that they could trade away the third guy and it would not hurt their farm system depth too much. So I like a trade where Frankie Montas and Ramon Lariano go to the Yankees and the A's get Oswald Peraza, who's, um, you know, had a good year last year, has been off to a little bit of a slower start in AAA in 2022, but still last year he hit 286 and had uh, a slugging percentage of 393 this year. His average is down a little bit, 242, but his slugging is up to 420. So, you know, he's hitting the ball a little bit harder, uh, just hasn't translated into, um, into base hits quite yet. But when he is hitting base hits, he's getting more extra base hits. Um, so I, I like him to go back to the A's. I also like uh, Hayden Wesneski, a right-handed pitcher for the Yankees, to go back to, to the A's in this trade. I think he could be a nice project for the future for the Oakland A's. You know, cheap minor leaguers is what this team seems to want right now. They just, you know, I don't get the Oakland A's personally, you know. They don't even want to sell tickets. They don't want to fill their stadium. They say, oh, you know, Oakland seems like a great place to build a stadium. But also that Las Vegas place. Man, there's just something about Las Vegas that really, really seems to just grab their attention. And uh, I don't know, the Las Vegas Athletics just doesn't have quite as good to ring to me as, you know, the Oakland Athletics, which, you know, I guess if you really want to get old and granular with it, you could say, well, the Philadelphia Athletics were the original incarnation of the franchise. But I just think that, you know, they've been in Oakland for so long. And yes, the stadium needs repairs and it needs renovations. And, you know, they just need a new stadium in Oakland. Uh, But they've got some cheap ass owners who don't want to spend their own money to build the stadium. And, you know, that's the unfortunate reality of how, you know, money and ownership in sports works is that they, you know, the owners often will hold uh, these cities hostage over, you know, building them a stadium and it will come out of the taxpayers' pockets inevitably because the cities either A, don't want to lose the team or B, the team or the city that the team moves to, you know, they are so eager to get the team that they will then spend taxpayer money. Uh, I personally just think that uh, it should come out of the billionaire's pockets because they've got the money for it. They're good for it. They should spend it. It's, you know, you know, I guess one of those things that I'll never understand because I'm not a billionaire. So, you know, whatever. Greedy, wealthy people make me, you know, make me gag. Anyway, that's the Yankees to A's trade. I Basically, the moral of the story is I think the Yankees could easily fleece the Oakland Athletics for a couple good, productive players come the postseason. Now, it doesn't have to be Frankie Montas. That's a little bit pie in the sky. Um, Paul Blackburn is another great option for the A's to send back to the Yankees. Um, but it seems likely that Frankie Montas is getting moved at the deadline. So why not move him to the Yankees? You know, same with Ramon Laureano. Why, you know, he's getting moved at the deadline most likely. He's an older veteran. He is, you know, 
not under team control for that much longer. So, you know, got to make moves. Speaking of got to make moves for the sake of making moves and a rebuild, the Cincinnati Reds have a couple players on their team that seem primed to be shipped out of town come uh, August 2nd. And one of those players that has been really grabbing me is Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury has had a career year this year. He's hit 17 home runs. That's more than he's ever hit. It is July 6th. He's already surpassed his career home run total. Uh, he's hitting 266 with 525 slugging and 326 on base. He's got 45 RBIs. He has been uber productive, possibly the best hitter that the Reds have had this year. And uh, the Reds are going nowhere. You know, they're last in the NL Central and they started the year 3 and 22. They went, you know, a little bit better over the next month, but have since fallen back off. And they are probably going to be making some moves. Brandon Drury is a perfect trade candidate. You know, there's the notion that you always want to sell when a player's value is at its highest. Well, Brandon Drury's value has never been higher. He is, you know, worth more than possibly ever to this team uh, to make a move. So I think that there are plenty of teams out there who would want Brandon Drury. Maybe a reunion in Toronto is in store. Now Toronto would probably slot him in best at the DH position because they already have most of their infielder positions covered here. Um, so, you know, he's an okay, he's an average fielder. It's not like you would be losing a lot by taking his glove off the field. So I like him to the Blue Jays, you know, reunion with the Yankees makes sense. Um, you know, sending him to a team like the Astros where he could DH uh, makes a little bit of sense. You know, the Brewers are a good shout. The Brewers need a little bit of help on the offensive end, a lot of bit of help on the offensive end. And Brandon Drury could make a lot of sense. Although, you know, old school adage, do you trade within the division or not? Uh, I think that nowadays the Reds are, you know, okay with trading within the division. So Brandon Drury to the Brewers makes sense. The one that I think makes the most sense and kind of upsets me how much it makes sense is Brandon Drury to the Dodgers. Now, Justin Turner, their third baseman, uh, just like we talked about with Aaron Hicks, you know, he's just gotten to a certain age where he's not producing at the levels like he was in his prime. And you know, the numbers aren't terrible, you know, 242 batting average, 311 on base. Uh, he's not doing so bad that it's, you know, a glaring need for the Dodgers to replace him. But honestly, I think at this point in his career, he's better served to be a platoon third baseman. Maybe he DHs every now and then, but Justin Turner probably is not uh, not in his athletic prime to be capable of playing an everyday position anymore. Um, you know, maybe it's just a down year, but hey, the guy is what, 34, 35? You know, it's about the age where, you know, players start to slow down. And I think that uh, Brandon Jury would A, be an upgrade offensively and be, you know, a wash defensively. So it's not like you're losing a lot by 
you know, moving Justin Turner out of the field. I mean, he's an average defender, you know, his outs above average is legit zero this year. So he's been an average defender. Brandon Drury could slide right in. And with the Dodgers getting healthy, Mookie Betts just got off the AL, or excuse me, the IL, um, you know, things could line up for the Dodgers that not only could they get Brandon Drury from, uh, from the Reds, they could also snag Luis Castillo in that trade. And again, that package would command a whole lot of prospects back. But the thing is, is that the Dodgers have a treasure trove of prospects. They are the first overall farm system, according to Bleacher Report. And, you know, they just have a surplus of guys that, you know, are in their minor leagues that are not ready to contribute at the big league level just yet. And, you know, like I was talking about with the Mets, where, you know, win now or go home, you know, the Dodgers are still, you know, for the 10th year in a row or whatever in win now mode and uh, still have been able to cultivate this amazing farm system, which is a credit to their, you know, development staff and their drafting and, you know, everything that goes into that. Um, but you know, what it gives them the ability to do is to invest at the deadline in the current season and make moves that put them in better positions to contend. So, you know, last year it was Trey Turner and Max Scherzer coming over from the the Nationals to the Dodgers. Well, this year, I think they could snag Brandon Jury and Luis Castillo in a similar big package, you know, blockbuster move that puts them in position to go make another deep postseason run. Um, names, you know, in their farm system, like Miguel Vargas, you know, he's been hitting 294 in AAA. He's a utility guy. He can play any position in the infield. A couple pitchers, you know, really jump off the page as good prospects to send back. Um, Ryan Pepio uh, has already made the majors, but was 6-0 and with a 1.94 ERA in AAA this year. Now, you know, he's someone that the Dodgers will probably want to hoard and keep on to. But if the Reds can pry away a Pepio or even a Gavin Stone, who's the number 18 rated prospect for the Dodgers, he's been five and three with a 1.46 ERA this year across two levels. Either of them could be uh, good candidates to go back to the Reds in this type of trade. So I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, they have the cachet to make a trade like this, to uh, upgrade their positions of need. Um, and with Chris Turner, or excuse me, Chris Taylor, hitting the IL uh, yesterday with a broken foot, um, it comes around back again to the Cubs, maybe, where Cubs are looking to sell. They have an outfielder named Ian Happ. You might have heard of him. Um, he's pretty good. That could be another person that the Dodgers could go after. Um, to fit in that, you know, left field slot where, you know, Gavin Lux has been covering uh, while Chris Taylor was covering for Mookie Betts, who was on the aisle. Well, now Gavin Lux will once again be asked to cover for uh, Chris Taylor. And I think that Ian Happ could be an upgrade there. So, yeah, those are the things that I'm looking at for the Dodgers. I think, you know, third base, left field, their pitching staff all are good but could be better. And I think the Dodgers are all about getting better. 
and uh, those trades make a lot of sense to me. All right. All right. Non-trade talk. Just one last thing I wanted to mention before I get out of here, because it's almost been 30 minutes. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good monologue, I think. Just wanted to touch on uh, Sandy Alcantara's last night. He had eight innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, two hits, no earned runs. He's lowered his ERA to 1.82 this year. In his last 11 starts, he's 7-1 and one with 87 and two-thirds innings pitched, 76 strikeouts. He's got a 1.33 ERA in that span. He has been the best pitcher in baseball this year. He should be the all-star starter. No offense to Tony Gonsolin or, or others uh, in the NL like Corbin Burns um, or Joe Musgrove. Sandy Alcantara has just been flat out the best pitcher in baseball. He's been an ace. Uh, you know, I wrote about him about a month ago, which you can check out at the Shake and Bake Scribble on Substack. Um, I wrote about how he's made this, you know, leap this year by basically mixing his pitches uh, in such a way that it just creates a complete mystery for hitters. He is throwing his fastball, his sinker, his changeup, and his slider all about an equal amount. So the hitter, you know, has no idea what is coming. And, you know, it's especially unfair when he can throw his sinker 101 miles an hour. And just, this is what it looks like if you don't know. I mean, how are you supposed to hit that? That's impossible. I mean, come on, give me a break. Um, the guy is going to be the all-star starter. I'm confident in that. If he's not, then it's a travesty. I mean, not a travesty. It's the all-star game, but it's not great. <laughs> um, and honestly, if he keeps this up, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the Cy Young winner this year. Um, the wild thing is that the Marlins are now three games out of a wild card spot. I think a lot of people had them penciled in to be sellers at the deadline you know maybe pablo lopez their other good starter you know great starter would be out the door players like you know a john birdie and an avisiel garcia and jorge soler and uh jesus aguilar all could possibly you know be traded but um they're in it still and they could stay in it you know this is not exactly a a lot of horses in this race. You've got the Padres, you've got the Giants, you've got the Cardinals, and you've got the Braves and the Marlins. So that's five. I mean, I guess you could throw the Phillies in there too, but with Bryce Harper's injury, I think, you know, I think they're toast. So you've got a five-team race for three teams. Three games out, there's no reason why the Marlins couldn't make up that ground and sneak in there with the expanded playoff format this year. You know, they made it into the expanded playoffs in the shortened season in 2020. Um, I think that, you know, it's a fun team to watch, first of all. Jazz Chisholm is, you know, an electric player to watch play. John Birdie, watching him steal bases, I mean, that's just fun. Um, and their pitching has, you know, lights out stuff all up and down the roster. Sandy Alcantara... You know, Lopez Cabrera, who throws a 96-mile-an-hour changeup, uh, you know, ridiculous things. Um, 
they've got the talent to compete. And I think that, you know, if they wanted to be buyers at, at the deadline and go in there and try to maybe improve their bullpen, maybe flip a couple of their, uh, you know, less producing players like, you know, Navasail Garcia, see if you can flip him to somewhere else, get him, get some production in that lineup. Um, yeah, man, they could, they can make a run, which I think, you know, would be quite something given, you know, just thinking back to the beginning of the year, you know, Derek Jeter leaving the team saying that the competitive, uh, competitive outlook was not with what he aligned with, which, you know, I guess can't really speak more into that because I don't know more about it. But to me, it seems like the com competitiveness of this team is just fine and they're in it, man. And uh, yeah, I hope we see the Marlins in the playoffs because I think uh, it would be awesome to see Sandy Alcantara take the mound in meaningful baseball in October. That would be, that would be pretty sick to see. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's about what all I've got today. Um, you know, if I had to put up this half an hour to anything, I would say it's been uh... pretty good. Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. So that's going to about do it for me today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can catch this later, uh, possibly, or it may never see the light of day. Who knows? Anyway, thanks for watching, and I'll see you again soon. This has been High Cheese.